sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Thursday night football is back. Two teams that were not expected to make a lot of noise in 2020. One on the right track. The one, well, probably going the other way. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia, for two hours covering you in fantasy football, the reality and fantasy of the game. We'll also hear from Tua of the Miami Dolphins. Get a preview of what his first game this season may look like. And Joe, I think that that may be the headline this week in the NFL a year ago at this time, Tua was the number one overall pick in the draft. It was unequivocal. It was non-questionable. And then an injury derailed him for the final four games of 2019. But here we are, back on the field, back on the practice field, and we'll be in a uniform this coming Sunday. That's where we'll start. Good afternoon. Yeah. Uh, good afternoon, and that is a great story, certainly not just for Tua, but all the NFL as well. And I think a very heartening story because about a year ago, we were very concerned that his career was over, and that would have been just tragic, just a terrible set of circumstances. A guy so close to being arguably the number one overall pick to then have that taken away from him is just, it's such a terrible story potentially. But luckily, it's a good story, a feel good story in 2020. Who would have thought we could possibly have one? And I think to a certain extent in tonight's uh, NFL game on Thursday Night Football, we have a feel-good story too. I think the Panthers are kind of a feel-good story. They've been able to somehow piece together a pretty respectable record without Christian McCaffrey there. And Teddy Bridgewater, another feel-good story, a guy that wasn't supposed to come back and has. And I'll tell you what, this is a very winnable game for them against the Atlanta Falcons. If they should lose this game to the Falcons, I think everybody then goes, all right, well, you've lost a couple now. You finally had your little run, but it's over. But if you win, Carolina stays relevant. And this is a huge game for them, a huge in-division game as well. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, unfortunately for fantasy owners, another game without Christian McCaffrey. And that is really crushing when you think about it. Yeah, and and look, it's been that way for a lot of the first-round picks, so the beat just goes on for McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, Saquon Barkley. It's been a very rough first round for sure, and we'll get to all that as well. Let's do our headlines for fantasy sports today here on the 29th of October. The Panthers uh, could actually, I, I think, put themselves back into a playoff position with a win tonight. I think that Matt Rule is a candidate for Coach of the Year. He probably won't win. Mm. I mean, Kingsbury or someone else is, is along the lines that, that probably will. But he's he's in the mix for sure. Carolina, at the beginning of the year, everyone had tanking for Trevor Lawrence. That has not been even close to the case. So uh, good job by them. Why are they only two-point favorites tonight? I'm not really sure. I'm going to bite on that game and lose probably, but that, I, I can't imagine Carolina not winning tonight, but we'll see. Uh, Justin Turner, the beat goes on with him, speaking of which, he refused to comply with MLB security, according to the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred. And so uh, we're going to dig deep into this as time goes on. They're going to do some investigation and see exactly what happened, how he caught COVID-19, why he didn't wear a mask, why he ran out on the field when they told him not to. Uh, I don't know what the punishment will Turner will be, but it sounds like there will be some. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Utah Jazz sold for $1.6 billion. The NBA doesn't make a difference if their ratings were down last year. Everyone wants to be an owner in the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL. Houston Rockets hire uh, Stephen Silas as, Stephen Silas as their head coach. Daryl Morey will oversee 76ers basketball operations. So he didn't have to wait too long to get a gig and 76ers could use a little bit of help. They didn't exactly have a great end to their season. Uh, so uh, Joe, there's a couple other quick news and notes that I want to get to here at the top. 
Uh, as uh, as reported by ESPN, uh, Gardner Minshew has a fracture in his hand, which could put him out for mm-hmm. next week's game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, they are on a bye this week, and ESPN also reporting that not Mike Lennon, but Oregon State's Jake Ludon may end up getting the start there, which, I, I mean, he was a guy going into the draft that – I, I thought, ah, you know, maybe he's, a, you know, the type that gets an opportunity later on. Reminds me of the situation with, with maybe like Russell Wilson, where he wasn't thought of very highly. Good quarterback in college at Wisconsin and North Carolina State. Somebody else was the starter there. Uh, and uh, it was Flynn, I think, at the time when, when he first came mm-hmm. in. And then Wilson overtook him. This wouldn't surprise me. And I think it's the right move by passing Glennon. And seeing if you got something with this kid, the Jaguars, Joe, are playing for nothing this year. And I am, look, I don't know if the kid's going to be good or not. I am clueless. Pac-12 quarterbacks, they're either here or they're here. You know, there's no middle (laughs) ground usually. They're either at the top or the bottom. Uh, But look, across the way uh, with Oregon, we have Justin Herbert off to a great start. Maybe an Oregon State quarterback ends up getting a start next week. So that's something to keep an eye on. Well, I think they're playing for evaluation. They're evaluating the talent that's on this roster right now, and you're getting a good look at it. I think you're happy with what you've seen out of Chenault. I think you are happy with what you saw last year out of Shark. Obviously, this year, injuries have been a problem. Keelan Cole's been pretty good. Uh, so there are some bright spots, at least offensively, right now for this team. And James Robinson, I mean, geez, doesn't get much brighter than that after a couple quiet weeks in a row he's been very good but why not get a look at the young quarterback and see what he is and see if he can handle things the success rate so far has been pretty good of young quarterbacks in 2020 transitioning into the league and russell wilson is a great example and there's been many other examples too of guys that weren't thought of that greatly in fact the greatest of all time was a sixth round pick 199 so uh, not everybody always gets the evaluation right, and you might as well see what you got, especially since, like you're saying, the Jaguars are more looking forward than looking backward in terms of where this season is. And I guess going back real quick, if I made a Justin Turner, it is starting to feel a little bit more like there's going to be some repercussions here. And I know it's a tough situation. I know we talked about it. I read some great pieces. Uh, even Tom Boswell, a great uh, baseball writer, had some uh, really interesting things to say about that. One of the best baseball writers ever, in my opinion. Uh, and I think that you're looking at a scenario that I feel like, kind of like always, the more we start to learn about it, the more we start to understand, the more we understand, the more we realize there's going to be something that probably either a fine, suspension, or something coming for either the organization or Turner or both. Yep, and it may be light. We'll just have to see how it pans yeah. out. Well, the history of the NFL has been up and down with rookie quarterbacks, but what do they look like in their first start, usually? Break that down next and hear from Tua as he makes his debut. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rookie quarterbacks in reality and fantasy have been a little bit of a mixed bag through the years. I think that unequivocally, most of them succeed that are taken in the first couple of rounds. There are some busts, no question about it, and we can go through those as well. But the one thing, Joe, that does seem to appear likely is very few in their first start look like potential Hall of Famers. It does look like it's either a start or two, and then the run begins. There, of course, are exceptions to the rule, 
It has not taken Joe Burrow very long, although he has struggled in games this year. It did not take Kyler Murray very long, although he did struggle a lot at the beginning of last year, too. Mm -hmm. But it does feel like that first start is the one that you got to be a little bit careful of. And that's what uh, Tua Tagovailoa faces this week when they take on the Rams. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Joe Burrow wasn't great in his first start this year uh, against the Chargers, right? Uh, and Joe Burrow has had a lot of good starts since. Uh, you know, a couple down here and there. Uh, Herbert's been terrific, but there's always a learning curve. And I think whenever you are committing to a young quarterback, you have to be willing to stick with him through the ups and downs, too, because that's what this is about now. If you do believe it's time to turn the page from Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami and on to Tua, which I believe it probably is the time as well. I understand what your record is. I get it. You're relevant. But it's not just about this year. It's about building this franchise. And Tua is a franchise quarterback. And clearly, Ryan Fitzpatrick was a placeholder. That's his job. That's what it's been for the last few years in a few different organizations. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you don't feel bad for the guy when he loses his gig. But it does mean that Tua needs to get a wide berth. He needs to be allowed to fail here. And like a lot of these quarterbacks, like Brett Favre, like Peyton Manning, who threw a ton of interceptions early in his career, I think what you want this kid to do is gain his confidence. And I think that Flores and company really is ready to let that happen. And I'm very excited to see it happen. It's good for the Dolphins. It's good for the NFL. And like I was saying the other day, it feels like the baton is really being passed. This crop of young quarterbacks that we have who's come in the league the last three years, it's a very exciting, athletic group of quarterbacks. And I think it's changing not only the NFL, but also our fantasy shares as well. Yeah, and there'll be two next year, too, with Lawrence and Fields for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's go back in time a little bit, and I just randomly chose about six quarterbacks who made their debuts, and, and these are all relevant fantasy players, too. And as you can see, uh, not a ton of success from some of the best. Matt Ryan against Detroit, 9 of 13, 161 yards and a touchdown in 2008. Matthew Stafford, another potential Hall of Famer, 16 of 37, 205, one touchdown, three picks. Cam Newton uh, was the best of the bunch and went on to win an MVP, I think, in his second year. 24 of 37, 422, two touchdowns, one interception, <laughs> rushing touchdown 2011. Clearly the best of the bunch here. Andrew Luck, 23 of 45, 309 yards and a touchdown. That's okay. Russell Wilson, not much in his debut at Arizona, 18 of 34, 153, a touchdown and a pick. And then Dak Prescott, not much either in his debut against the Giants, 25 of 45, 227 yards. Ezekiel Elliott was the primary focus of that offense at the time. And Joe, the overall record in those six games with those six quarterbacks, two and four out of the gate. Mm. So uh, look, Miami's going up against a tough team in the Rams. And I, and I think that has to factor in as well. Really hard to go back in time and evaluate every single one of these quarterbacks versus the team that they played. Right. But most of the teams that they played in this situation were teams that are at least close to 500 or better. And the Rams are probably a little bit of a step above that. So for Tua this week, he may be up against it. But, Joe, the bottom line is, is that all of these quarterbacks here went on to have much better days, with the exception of Newton, who had his, the best debut <laughs> that you could ever day. ask for. I, yeah. I was going to ask, is that the best yeah. game of his career, maybe? Uh, I was going to – here's my uh, second question, too. I wanted to kind of take a guess of – which two winning quarterbacks are, are there uh, out of the two or the four, right? 
Um, is it Ben Roethlisberger and Cam? Are those the two that won? Just curious because I remember Pittsburgh winning the Super Bowl that year and being a great defensive team. And, you know, basically Roethlisberger was the guy that came in and managed things basically all the way throughout the playoffs and then into the Super Bowl. So that was my guess of those were the two W's. I'm not sure if you remember who they were. Well, Roethlisberger is not on his list here at all. So I don't, I don't know. But oh, Matt sorry. Ryan. I, I, well, my apologies. I, I think it was Roethlisberger. I, I did not mean to say Roethlisberger. My apologies. Yeah. There. Matt um, Ryan and, but, uh, and Andrew Luck were the winners. Matt, Matt Ryan was my guess. I apologize. I said Roethlisberger there. But, um, yeah. you know, you talk about why records are bad with teams that are starting rookie quarterbacks. is because if you have a great rookie quarterback there, you got him in the draft because you probably earned a top spot. So that's not surprising that these teams are still pretty bad. And it's not surprising to see the records there. Uh, but, you know, just I guess in my head, I was thinking about Ben Roethlisberger's debut and him being a rookie quarterback and having success. And it can be done. Sometimes you do have that. And I think that's what you're looking for here. You're looking for building and growth, and that's where you're trying to go here uh, with Tua Tagovailoa. And 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 I and personally, I think he has an opportunity to be not where the Cam Newton stat line is, but I think in my head, the stat line this week is probably a touchdown. There's probably a pick in there. Maybe he gets lucky, gets the two touchdowns. He's gonna have a little bit of rushing yards. I would cap him at somewhere around what, like 185 yards, maybe, or something like that in his debut. I don't think it's going to be a prolific passing. If you had to throw out a stat line, I don't know. For me, I'm thinking 185, a touchdown and a pick, maybe 30 yards rushing. To you, does that sound about right? It sounds about right. Yeah, I, I think the passing numbers, uh, I would, I would say, are fair. Yeah, I, I would say all of that is fair. I think the rushing numbers will be interesting to see what they allow him to do. In week one, because of course he does have the history of the injuries with the uh, with the hip, and then previous uh, mm-hmm. a different one. Uh, Tua did end up speaking to the media yesterday, and he was asked about potentially what it may feel like to get hit for the first time in a year. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's been a long time coming, but I mean that's just the nature of the game. The I don't know what the hit's going to feel like. Every hit is different that you take in football. Um. So I'm, I'm really not too sure. And I, I don't think you could ever prepare for hits. Um, it's just something you got to go out knowing it's going to happen. You know, whether it's the first play of the game, first quarter, um, you know, or maybe third, second, fourth. You know, you just never know. Yeah. And, and the one thing that we do know about this is that if the hits come, they could be coming from number 99 up the middle. And of course, mm-hmm. that is Aaron yeah. Donald. As a matter of fact, if there's one guy that you probably don't want to face in your NFL debut, it is the staring down at that guy coming straight at you. It reminds me of, of Warren Sapp, you know, just coming at you as a rookie. You want to get out of the way. Now, Tua is mobile for sure, but he did say there's no doubt that the challenge ahead of them with the Rams of Donald and uh, Ramsey does pose an interesting one. Yeah, and I, yeah, think, it- I think it's really exciting for our offense um, and our team. It'll show, you know, what kind of team that – you know, we, we kind of have, you know, after a bye week and whatnot, but we know what we're going up against. We're going up against um, one of the top NFL defenses, you know, in, in the league. Um, and it, it's not just Jalen Ramsey. It's not just Aaron Donald. You know, you guys got, you know, Leonard Floyd. You guys got Brockers, Young, um, and then Troy Hill, guys on the back end. You know, so they're, they're very sound um, defensively. So, you know, we're really trying our best to prepare um, as well as we can against against these guys and their DC and their OC and I mean you know their head coach they all know what they're doing so we know this isn't going to be any any easier from here on out. 
And, and it's a challenge. There's no doubt, Joe, as far as defenses go, the Rams could be somewhere in the upper echelon as far as defenses. At, le- at least it's looked like that this season. I wouldn't put them all the way at the top. I wouldn't put them at the bottom. But they have arguably, there are not many players, Joe, right now, that if I said to you, give me a Hall of Famer on defense right now in the NFL. Like, like Aaron Donald is the one that comes to mind probably first. Like, I mean, he could be the, the best player on defense in the NFL. J.J. Watt maybe would be another one. Uh, they got to protect him <laughs> from that guy. I'd be very yeah. worried. About and they got to protect him cleverly, too, because here's the problem is uh, you would imagine they might run some, you know, some two back sets. Uh, you, they're going to have to get creative here a little bit because probably your best weapon out of the backfield so far, if you are the Dolphins, have been Miles Gaskin. But I don't think you want Miles Gaskin trying to be chipping Aaron Donald. That's not going to work either. So you're going to have to have Breed on the field. You're going to have to get creative here with some of the tight ends potentially. I think that is first and foremost. And as you mentioned, Tua is very mobile, so that won't be too much of an issue in terms of him being able to move around the pocket. But regardless, Aaron Donald somehow sucks up a lot of the pocket by himself at times and is so strong. I think you got to really get clever in your blocking scheme this week. All right, Chris will have the update coming up next, and then we'll play our little game on this Thursday of Is the Wrong Team Favored in the NFL? Make sure you stay right here to Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. Joe and I will be right back, so don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On tomorrow's show, Howard Bender will join me as we go through our picks in the Westgate Super Contest. They're due on Saturday night. The lines are out officially as of last night. And uh, three and two again for the second straight week. Don't know what it is about the late and the night games, but Joe, it is no fun starting off three and oh, going into the late games and losing them all two weeks in a row. So uh, I, I don't know well, what it is. Maybe. Fairness. In all fairness, Seattle should have won that football game. I think we all agree that Seattle is a better team, but defensively, when you're giving up 400-plus yards a game, it's tough to win. I wouldn't beat yourself up too bad about that one, but I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, Metcalf ran for a touchdown there, and then the hold crushed it, but uh, look, things happen. You know, we had the Lions, and the the Lions should not have won that game. But then again, the Lions should not have lost when we had them in week one. It all evens out in the end. Mm -hmm. People like to talk about their bad beats, uh, but you'll get it back eventually. It's just, it's 50-50. It's the way that it goes. So interesting games this week with this segment here, because it it, really intriguing lines on a couple of the games for me. So let's, let's go through it here. We have Pittsburgh and Baltimore and the Steelers and Ravens. And uh, look, Baltimore's coming off a bye. That is true. Teams off a bye are playing very well this year. That's also true. It's also true that if at the beginning of the season you said how many games better is Baltimore than Pittsburgh, you would have said two, three, maybe even four. I don't think anybody thought Pittsburgh would be in this spot, and they're coming off uh, an unbelievable win. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of ways I view this one, Joe. It's a tough one to call for me mm-hmm. because I think the line – uh, I'll start. How about that? I think the right sure. team is favored. <laughs> I, I think the right team is favored, but the historic nature of these games outside of last year, which you cannot count with Duck 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 no, Goose no, starting. No. Okay, Baltimore duck, is usually duck, three. Duck 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 yeah, ba- Baltimore is three, and Pittsburgh is three. It just goes back and forth wherever they're at, and you know what? It lands on that line a lot. 
And so, like, I lean toward Pittsburgh, but it is a great, great spot for Baltimore coming off a bye. That's that's the one thing that I can't get past is that here. The four? So, is that why it's four in your opinion? Because of the bye? I don't know. And not three. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why it's up more. I guess it's it's just because the I, I guess the respect factor is not quite there for Pittsburgh, even though they've gotten off to the best start in the NFL. So anyway, right team is favored. Baltimore should be favored. I think the line should be three. It is four. So if I had a lean, it would be Pittsburgh. But I have to respect the ATS record of teams coming off the bye this year, which is just unbelievable. So that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. It is. And I kind of agree with you. The right team is favored. But I, I kind of also agree that it seems like a high number to me. Uh, I was doing the podcast yesterday with Scott Bogman from In This League, who a uh, big Pittsburgh Steeler guy. He's right here on this network here on Sports Grid, and you know he pointed out too what the Steelers tend to do is they give up that one big play every game. He said if they can avoid that with Hollywood Brown or whoever that guy is this week, then they have a really good chance in this game. And they're a little bit more battle tested and, and proven in my opinion because Pittsburgh just went to Tennessee, who was playing out of their mind, I think, the last couple of weeks, and they won that game. Now look, it got close at the end. That's fair. But Baltimore offensively really has been a, a struggle this year. They have struggled to run the football as well as they did last year. Maybe that will get right out of the bye. Maybe we'll see Dobbins and all of a sudden something will be different or Gus Edwards or they will figure out a better plan. But offensively, they haven't been great. And they did get their doors blown off at home by the Chiefs a few weeks ago. So to me, this is a really suspect game, but a great one because it feels like a playoff game already here in week eight and certainly one that I'd love to be able to see. But I can't because I'm here in New York and I have to watch the Jets play the Kansas City Chiefs. But that's a story for another time. Yeah, we've got to hook you up with the red zone there. You can watch... uh... You can watch that there. Yeah, but it's not the same. Uh, as yeah, I'm going to aim the red zone. I mean, listen, I, I watch every, I watch the games and the red zone. I got a laptop, mm-hmm. I got the phone, I got the TV. I do all all Sunday. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that having giving Harbaugh two weeks to prepare for a team like they have for Pittsburgh, that that's that's tough, man. Yeah, Pittsburgh is up against it, so uh, probably a pass for me for the time being. But we'll see uh, Saturday. Okay, so Sunday, one o'clock Eastern, we have the Raiders taking on the Cleveland Browns. Naturally, where's all the money going to go on this one? Of course, it's going to go on Cleveland. They played great. They, they won last week. They came back to win. Uh, but the truth is with the Raiders is, is they win when they're not supposed to, and they lose when they're not supposed to. So uh, this is I, – I, look, I, of course, the right team is favored here. Cleveland should be favored. But if you were looking at this, you would say, why isn't Cleveland a bigger favorite in this game? They're much better than the Raiders. But that's not the case. The Raiders beat the Chiefs. People forget that. They beat – they just – Mm-hmm. Just smashed the Chiefs, and then they got smashed by the Bucks. You, you, they're very hard. They're a very hard team to figure. Right team is favored here in Cleveland. I totally get it, but would not surprise me at all to see the Raiders win because they're a very hard team to predict. No, me neither. And I think you nailed it because it's about what they've done so far. And this is the team that's always played up or down to their competition last year. And they kind of feel like they're doing that a little bit. But look, I'm going to give Tampa credit because Tampa defensively is a very good team. And I think the Raiders kind of, you know, caught the Chiefs napping a couple weeks ago. However, I am also not buying in. It seems like everybody else is buying into the Baker Mayfield turnaround. It was the Cincinnati Bengals. Can we just slow down a little bit? Can we not get so excited about how good he I know he looked good. That's great. But we've seen moments where he's looked good in the past, and then it kind of cycles around again. And I think the Raiders right now are starting to get a little healthier. It looks like Brian Edwards might be active for this game too, so a little bit more options. I'm not going to mention the uh, the wide receiver whose last name starts with A because I don't want to get 
uh, have to put money in the swear jar there from Craig because he's sick of me talking about him. But look, maybe you get Josh Jacobs rebounding in this game. Darren Waller's been outstanding. I think as good as Miles Garrett's played, that you can attack that defense hill. Uh, there will be a lot of wind in this game too, which can get things uh, crazy. Up to 40 mile an hour gusts. I was looking at it this morning. So keep that in mind. That could change the dynamic of this game a little bit too and make it even harder potentially to project. Yeah, I'm probably a stay away one for me. Okay, now this one is is a position that I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have this week. Four oh five Eastern Chargers minus three at the Denver Broncos. Uh, I'll start off. Uh, Chargers played against Jacksonville last week and had a hard time. The the Chargers historically are horrible as favorites and very good as dogs. I think the wrong team is favorite here. I don't like Denver at all. Probably my least favorite team in the NFL. I don't like the way they play. I don't like the way they're coached. I don't like their personnel. But they're at home getting points against a team that's probably the same as theirs. I I think the wrong team is favored. I think Denver should be favored in this game. I don't like the Chargers at all. They did not look good to me against Jacksonville. The Jaguars just kept coming back on them as if their defense mm-hmm. didn't matter. I don't know the Chargers were a top five defense at the beginning of the season. I could put them in the bottom ten. Herbert, Herbert is not going to be Montana all season. Eventually, that's going to stop. Denver, we know. What do they do when they get the ball? I say it every week. They give the ball to the running back, and then you wait 25 seconds for the next down. And then they give the ball to the running back again. They're going to be in the game in the end. I, I don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen, but if I know that I'm getting points in a game in the fourth quarter where my team is going to be either tied or down three, I'm going to take that team. So I think the wrong team is favored. I, maybe maybe it's an it's the ugliest pick you could possibly say by taking Denver, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to say that Denver yeah. gets gets a win or covers against the Chargers. You don't get I don't points. Like this. I don't like <laughs> you don't get points for pretty. So who cares if it's ugly? Uh, but I kind of agree with you. Looking at this, if you asked me to guess what this line was and I didn't know what it was, I would have said, I don't know, Denver's at home a mile pick high, them. maybe Denver by two. Yeah. I would say Denver pick two and them. a half or maybe even Denver one. Or yeah, pick maybe, them, even pick them, maybe. Chargers maybe favor? even. Uh, On the road? Look, I think the Chargers, like, I think I think the, because Denver turns the ball over at an alarming rate, I think the Chargers will somehow find a way to win this game, but I am with you if I'm picking against the spread here. It was definitely the Denver side of this game. So you can make the argument the wrong team is favored here because the Chargers, although Herbert has played very well, I think everybody's kind of getting caught up in that a little bit. And the defense that has a lot of personnel on it has been spotty at times. And uh, if they can get the turnovers here from Drew Locke and company, then that's going to swing this game. And I think eventually that's what will swing this game. But I don't think anything you're saying is wrong. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I, and again, if it should tell you something how much I hate Denver for me to even be thinking about side. I couldn't believe it. I almost, I, I couldn't believe as I, I, sure I hate you Denver. Didn't replace but, Craig with another host here. But how much better is the chart? Look, if the Chargers are probably better three than the better. Broncos. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. This is but, well, but Joe, the quarterback this is position. They're definitely better. better. You automatically get three for being the home team. So, I so it, it shouldn't be Denver minus three. I get that because de- because the Chargers are better. But if the two teams are even because of the home field advantage, you make the line a pick'em. So it's either Denver minus one or a pick'em, and at the worst, you make the Chargers a point. And I think I don't that'll know if we've be the had a pick'em all season. Have we had a pick'em all season this year? I don't think we have. Have we? Oh yeah, there, there's one. there's definitely really. I, yeah. I don't remember. I, I don't remember. <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap it up with this one. Wow, this is a tough one to call. This is a really difficult one for me. Uh, 49ers and Seahawks. Seahawks are minus three. 49ers are now playing good again. Uh, it seems like they woke up after that game against Miami. Seattle, 
I mean, I, I don't, I, I learned my lesson going against Russell Wilson. So I'm, I'm simply not going to do it. So it's either pass or taking Seattle this week. So I don't think the wrong team is favored, but I think the line does tell you something here. It tells you that the 49ers mm-hmm. have a shot to win this game for sure. Yeah, I don't know if I could have said it better. I agree exactly. Uh, once again, which is scary because we don't always agree on stuff here, but uh, I, I kind of agree with you. I, you have to favor them because Russell Wilson's playing out of his gourd right now. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it's even though home field advantage doesn't exist anymore, it's still a travel. It's still in division. And Seattle played San Fran pretty well last year, too. Uh, let's not forget yeah, there, that game where they yeah. went into San Francisco and beat them. So they will get up for this game. Maybe that smack in the face by Arizona last week is exactly what the Seattle defense needs a little bit to kind of right themselves. And San Francisco is still missing a lot of pieces. Even though they are getting healthier, they are not a healthy team overall. So that is another thing, too, because Debo is going to be out for this game. They're still missing, obviously, Mostert for this game. They're going to miss big pieces on defense for the entire season. We know they're missing. So to me, I understand why Seattle is favored, but it would not shock me at all to see San Francisco win this football game. Yeah, this will be a very public game. The world will be on the Seahawks for sure. You see that short line, and it's Seattle, and look at their record. And and and, and look, it, it could be the right call, but – the 49ers right now are are, play, are back to playing like they did, I think, a year ago. So very interesting, dynamic game. Um, we'll have picks on Saturday night on uh, Howard and I. We do the live stream uh, over on Wager Alarm. But uh, coming up next, Andrew Erickson's going to join us. We'll talk to Zeke Elliott. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's Thursday. You know what that means. It's time to do a little fantasy past, present, and future. That's right, with our good friend from PFF, Andrew Erickson. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. What's the underscore for? Nobody really knows, but he likes to keep you guessing. That's what Andrew likes to do. And Andrew, we got a lot of football to talk about here. We got week eight coming up. But before we get to week eight, let's look back at week seven and try to learn something if we can. And for Dallas, it's hit rock bottom. Now, clearly... With the Dallas Cowboys, anybody that you're playing against the Cowboys with, it's great. It's fantasy gold. Anybody, literally anybody. But here's my question for you. What about the rest of the Cowboys? You made a really astute observation last week that you said you think that basically the cream would rise to the top. And you're right. Amari Cooper was still good. But where does this leave us now that we've downgraded quarterback even more with guys like, I don't know, CeeDee Lamb. Where's Ezekiel Elliott now? I mean, this is kind of tough. I mean, you can't sit these guys because of the talent. But what do you do here going forward for at least the short term? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the receiver position, you got to hope that maybe the Cowboys decide to trade Michael Gallup. I think that would be a good move. Maybe open things up a little bit so the, the targets can focus on those other two receivers. But, I mean, you can't start Gallup. can't start Lamb. You can start up Mari Cooper, but you can only really use him as like a wide receiver three fringe guy. And even this week, you know, against the Eagles, he's going to get slay. And that's, you know, these one on one matchups have never been good for Cooper. So this week, especially with the quarterback unknown, essentially, you can't start anybody except Zeke. And you're just praying that he just gets targets, you know, dump offs because he has the Eagles run defense. And then he has the Steelers run defense the next week. So he's not going to get anything done on the ground. He's going to have to do it through the air which, again, can provide some value. So, again, I'm not one that's advocating to, you know, go buy Zeke Lowe just because of the fact that the matter is he was tied to a great offense, into a great offensive line, and that right. was really giving him his value. But that's been now sapped away 
So again, if you can trade Zeke off the name, I think that's probably the best thing to do right now and just get a more reliable running back again. If you're, you know, really sunk, if you're maybe two and five, maybe you go trade for Zeke. You're the fact that, hey, we well, you know what if he can turn around? <laughs> right. Maybe. But if you're but why like, can't they give him 25 carries, Andrew? That's what I don't understand. I mean, <laughs> when do we turn around and go, you know what? Let's see what happens, you know, just for the sake of the defense, because that's the thing. It's like the defense is terrible. And can we at least try to commit to the running the football? And I understand they get behind sometimes in games and game script goes out the window. But I, I don't get it. I just at a certain point, I'm like, I'm like Tom Hanks in that movie Big, where he's like, I don't get it. I don't I don't understand because I just want them to turn and hand the ball off to him and just see what happens. I mean, it can't be worse or maybe it can. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too. Mike McCarthy has traditionally always been a super heavy pass guy. And yeah. even when his last year with Green Bay, you know, when their team was very was playing really bad, they were throwing the ball a ton. They weren't running it. That was the whole free Aaron Jones movement. And, you know, maybe we're seeing a little bit of that now. You know, we're not talking about free Zeke, but maybe we should. <laughs> yeah, free somebody. I think Mike McCarthy's going to be free right around January 1st. Just putting that out there. Uh, all right. So the Eagles on this flip side of this game, too. I mean, I know they are like a mash unit, but that being said. Everybody from Richard Rodgers to, to Ward to Fulgham. I mean, Jalen Ragor is coming back for this game. I feel like it's all hands on deck, right? I mean, if you got these guys, how do you not start any Eagle basically against the Cowboys? It kind of feels like that's where we're at. And and I don't I don't think it's a hot take. It, it just feels like reality. Yeah, I mean, you know, the start sitting column that's up on PFF.com has Carson Wentz plastered up there as a, a quarterback start of the week. Basically looking at he's played really well the last couple of weeks. He's doing it on the ground. He's running the ball more with his legs. He's making plays. And as bad as, you know, the Eagles offensive line is, you know, the Cowboys is worse. So they should be in good shape. I mean, the, the Dallas defense is just, they can't stop anybody. They can't. They just can't. So you got to keep <laughs> continuing to, to to start guys against them, whether it's Richard Rodgers, you can get him off the waiver wire, Travis Fulgham, you know, all these guys. All right, let's uh, let's shift gears here. Enough of the Cowboys and Eagles. Enough of, enough of this wretched NFC East. Let's talk about James Robinson, who had a huge bounce back game. But this was after three weeks in a row of posting somewhere around nine and a half fantasy points. So I guess here's the question. Is this your second chance to sell high on James Robinson? Or was that a dip in productivity? Because we hear Doug Marone now talking about, well, after the buy, there's going to be some changes and things like that. Well, I don't know what those changes are. But what happens right now with the stock of James Robinson? Are you just happy to have him and have a running back that is alive and playing and actually has the opportunity for points? Or is this the perfect guy to try to flip for a guy like Ezekiel Elliott? In fantasy football leagues, most of the time you don't win a championship because you just stayed put and you right. didn't make moves and you were happy with what you had. You, you got to make pivots. Like you, know, you see these teams that go undefeated. The only way they do that is because they make strategic trades at right times. They look at player values and they evaluate. They flip a guy when he's down. They get his production and then they turn him away when he starts to when production starts to go back down again. That's how you build the best rosters. And James Robinson is a screaming sell high for me. The guy <laughs> had two carries inside the 10 yard line in this past game. He had one carry inside the 10 yard line up to this point. He's not seen goal line opportunities because the Jacksonville Jaguars throw the ball the most inside mm -hmm. the five yard or inside the 10 yard line. No idea why. That's just what they do. And that was, a, you know, part of the reason Leonard Fournette again last year, he didn't score a lot of touchdowns either. So no. again, he can get all the volume he wants. And that's obviously something that we want, but ultimately you need to have that, like, you know, Touch that massive upside. Right. Yeah. You have to have that massive upside. If you're going to take down a championship, you know, down the line. So for me, again, this this is a team that's not good. You know, they're not going to be in a lot of offensive scoring positions. If they go with Jake Luton, 
or whatever instead of Minshew. We don't know what we're going to expect <clears> out of him. I don't know about you, Andrew, but I like my offenses looting free. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You can, so you does, can use that. So does Garber Minshew. Yeah, you, you could use that. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a very good point. All right. Uh, you mentioned him, so let's talk about him. Uh, I, I tried really hard to avoid the subject the last few weeks, but here we are again. Leonard Fournette had a good game. So I don't know. I, I just every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in with Leonard Fournette. And I actually started him last week because I was a Joe Mixon owner, too. And it was desperation. I was like, well, here we go, Leonard. It's just you and me. Let's hold hands and try to get a W here. And the guy showed up. And I guess here's the question. You got a game against the New York Giants on Monday night. It feels like presently that they're back into this weird time. So, and, and if you're going to ask me who, who looked better, I thought Fournette actually looked better. And Fournette, we know, is the better pass catcher of the two guys. But what do you do right now if you're Fournette or Ronald Jones? You got one of these guys. Do you just roll them both out there or one of them rather if you if you own them and just hope for the best at a flex? Like, what do you do? Yeah. So the thing that was different about this last game was it wasn't a three man backfield. It was two. It was Ronald Jones right. and it was Leonard Fournette. LaShawn McCoy didn't play at all and he was active. So that's a thing that's different than what's been in the past. Like McCoy had been working in on getting pass reps and doing that. But Fournette came in, came back off the injury and totally took that over. So backfields become way much easier to, you know, kind of break down when it's just two guys and you're like, okay, Ronald Jones is more of the early down back. You know, he sees goal line carries. Okay. Fournette, he's locked into the pass catching role. Sometimes he's goal line carries has explosive upside. So you're seeing these two running backs kind of go into their certain roles. But again, I don't think any, either of them are going to take over. I don't Mm. think that's what Arians wants because what was Ronald Jones supposed to do? All he did was rush for a hundred yards in every single game. And he, you know, Fournette got more involved. So for me to say, okay, well, Fournette has, you know, a huge game, you know, against the Giants. Does that mean he's going to get all the carries now? Probably <laughs> no, not. Because no. what if the roles had been reversed and Fournette had had all those 100-yard games, Ronald Jones was hurt, you know, we probably would have seen Rojo work in anyway. So I think that you got to play them both in really good matchups when they're playing bad defenses. So I think this week you can play them both. And I probably might end up ranking Leonard Fournette higher just because you're looking at his pass game usage. So I agree. I so agree. I think especially that, against especially, the Giants. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's the way I would look too. All right. Let's talk a little uh, present right now. That was the past. And the present right now is Cleveland is looking for some healthy wide receivers. And you had some great stuff I saw this week on Twitter about Baker Mayfield and Richard Higgins and all this stuff going on. So is Higgins really have an opportunity here in the second half of the season to really kind of grow and blossom as a fantasy wide receiver? Because I was talking about him before ODB got hurt. And now all of a sudden that he is out for the year, it feels like Higgins really, this could be his time to shine in this offense. Yeah. I mean, Rashad Higgins has always been kind of Baker's guy. Right. He's been like that for a while. And I was pulling my hair out when in the beginning of the season, when Kaderil Hodge, Hodge or Dodge or whatever was running as the wide receiver three. And I was just, I was flabbergasted. I'm like, why are you not putting in Rashad Higgins? That's Baker's boy. Like that's his guy. And he's been there with him since 2018, you know, and they just have a really good chemistry. He's like the highest rating of any receiver for Baker Mayfield in his career is Rashard Higgins. So again, he's not an athletic specimen of any sorts, but he's a good receiver. He has solid hands. And you look at the Brown schedule. It's really, really easy. You know, Baker Mayfield had faced the toughest schedule in the beginning of the season of the hardest pass defenses. And now it's one of the easiest going for the rest of the season. So again, there's no, you know, maybe we could see a little bit more Baker Mayfield from 2018, especially until they get this running game kind of back and cooking. But I think Higgins is going to be a solid guy. I think they're going to rely on him. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I, I'm with you 100%. Uh, all right, let's shift gears and talk a little future here, and let's talk about 
what's going on here with the running back situation, not just in Seattle, but in San Fran, because these two teams are going to lock up horns. And yes, you can roll your eyes all you want, but I mean, it's the truth. I mean, that's how we all feel. There's no doubt about it right now. Hasty looked good in the moments he had. Wilson's hurt now. So he helped nobody, right? Most of the, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy. And now we're hearing Tevin Coleman get back into the mix. Chris Carson is, is hurt. Maybe Hyde plays. We got a big question mark there. As Maybe. Reporting this right here. So I, I don't know, like, what do you just run for the hills I, or or is there opportunity here for somebody this week to have a good game? And if so, who is that guy that you could pluck off a waiver wire and actually feel like, OK, there's some upside? Because for me, I think Hasty's that upside guy. I like the way he looked against the Pats. Of course, anybody looked good against the Pats on Sunday. But what do you think about this group? All right. So the way that I look at it is I'll start with the 49ers. And OK, so if Tevin Coleman's back. He's probably the one you want to play because – Agreed. Kyle Shanahan has that affinity towards him. He's always gotten the work. Even in the, in the first game, I think it was week two, he had like 14 carries when Mahoster, when Moser got hurt. So he didn't do a lot with them, but he still got the carries. And I think Coleman would probably be the guy to have over Hasty in that situation. Um, but if Coleman doesn't play and it's just Hasty and McKinnon, I think and just I think in this specific matchup, I think that's we got to look at it. I don't know if we can just look at last week's box score and see, oh well, McKinnon didn't play. Like he sucks or <laughs> Shanahan hates him. You look at the matchup and Seattle's way much weaker against pass catching running backs than they are against actually running backs, you know, on the ground. So hasty isn't, you know, really involved in the passing game as, as often as McKinnon is. And I mean, the Seahawks, you know, the 49ers, you know, steamroll the Patriots. They didn't need to mm. throw the ball at no. all, but they're going to have to do that against the Seahawks. So maybe it was really more Shanahan saying, Hey, we're rolling the Patriots right now. We need to have McKinnon for Seattle because that's a game we have to win against the NFC West, uh, you know, rival. And, and that's not the case with the Patriots. Yeah, I think that's a good point. McKinnon's in there. I like McKinnon more than anybody else. Uh, it's just the, where we at. All right, let's talk a little Tua. He's going to make his debut. And uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, not too happy about it. And I can understand why. He's uh, he's made this team relevant. And it's like, good job. Now, go back to the back. And, you know, this is what happens. But look, Tua is the future. There's no doubt about that. What are your expectations here for him going into this game and going into this game in terms of the repercussions of the ripple effect for the fantasy purposes of the surrounding weapons? So I think that you should add two off the waiver wire just just to kind of have him because we've seen these rookie quarterbacks absolutely blow away expectations yeah. so far this mm-hmm. year. So I add him in a league. I don't need to. I'm not starting him just because, you know, the Rams. It is a really tough matchup. But I'm you know, I'm optimistic because you look at some of these rookie quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, when he got his first start, it was a terrible matchup. He lit it up because the team wasn't ready for him. So right. I think that's something to kind of keep in mind where they have no film on Tua. In the NFL. So and, and also he's a left handed quarterback. I mean, I don't know how the preparation is different, but I, everything's reversed. You know, the right, you know, where is Aaron Donald going to line up? You know, he the quarterbacks now his blind side is different. So I think that it could be he could surprise in terms of production and in terms of the pass catchers. I do think that Mike Gusecki's in a really good spot here. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at Tua in the college level. He had a lot of success targeting the slot. And the tight end position has been the weakest you know, spot of the Los Angeles Rams defense. They're great against quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, but tight ends, they've allowed the most targets to tight ends the last four weeks and the, and the most slot targets to tight ends, mm-hmm. which Mike Gusecki owns the slot. So I think if you have Gusecki and you're on the fringe, he's been up and down all year. I would say start him this week. I like that. Sounds like a DFS start, too. I like where you're going here. Very nice stuff. And by the way, congratulations on your Dodgers winning. This is uh, your first Dodger championship in your <laughs> lifetime. Congratulations. Uh, so must be feeling pretty good, right? Going to celebrate with some Dodger dogs. Oh, I bet you did. All right. We go back. We're going to celebrate here with a little fantasy <laughs> trivia. So don't go anywhere. We're going to see uh, how smart he is under that cap and uh, see how much uh, celebration he's been doing. So stick around. A little trivia. We come back right here on Fantasy Sports today, right here on Sports Grid. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back, boys and girls. It's trivia time. But before we do, we still got our uh, good friend Andrew Erickson joining us from Pro Football Focus. So, Andrew... What do you got cooking for everybody on PFF this week? What you working on? You got you got some fun stuff here. What you cooking in the uh, in the oven? Yeah, I got some uh, articles written up about high value opportunities. So looking at end zone targets, down the field targets. Rams wide receivers don't get any of them, so that's why they're not <laughs> as valuable anymore. And uh, yeah, I got start them, sit them. So everything you need. I, I don't know what's more frustrating than the Rams. Just just the Rams. Period. Uh, they are infuriating from a fantasy standpoint, from a wagering standpoint. <laughs> From a watching standpoint, I can't. Uh, so let, let's move on. So let, let's let's ask a little question here, a little fantasy trivia thing here for you. And Andrew, we'll, we'll try to make this easy for you. Over the last three weeks, who is the best wide receiver in terms of full point PPR scoring? Do you know who that is over the last three weeks? I know there's some some guys out there who had some really big games this past week, but was that enough to make them number one? That's the question. Oh, man. Come on, I say, I, don't, I, don't, I want to say Tyler Lockett because he scored so many points in that one game, but I know we had a bye week and he didn't do that much well before <laughs> yeah, that. Right. So. Even with the bye, he was number two. The answer is A.J. Brown. That's who it is. A.J. Uh, Brown looking like a star. 71 PPR points over the last three. That's pretty astounding when you think about it. He's had some great games here. And I'm going to ask this question. Is A.J. Brown now officially without a doubt, a wide receiver one in fantasy? Because it certainly feels like it the last couple games. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he he can do it with his ability to run after the catch, and he's the alpha receiver in that lineup. So I think that Corey Davis is a really good complimentary piece. You know, he's kind of filling his role as a wide receiver too. But, I mean, when you're attached to a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill, who's just been absolutely slinging it, you know, he's just <laughs> uber-efficient. That That's what he is. And A.J. Brown kind of compliments him in that way. He's an uber-efficient wide receiver. So A.J. Brown's not a guy that needs the 15 targets right. every single week because when he gets targets, he's just so efficient with how he does it. And that's just something that's, you know, we were concerned about what it carry over from last year. And, and so far this year it has. Yeah, like that was the big knock. Well, he doesn't get a lot of opportunities. He's really good when he gets them, but he doesn't get a whole lot. Well, guess what? He's getting some more, <laughs> just enough, just a little bit more, and he's making the most of them too. And, uh, dude, the, the Tennessee Titans offense in general right now is just unbelievable when you think about where they are. What a difference a year makes for an offense, right? <laughs> in Brian Tannehill's career, specifically how much that's changed. So make sure you go over and check out Andrew's work at Pro Football Focus. Again, go follow him on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore and Andrew enjoy that Dodger win 60 games is still a season don't let anybody tell you different you deserved it good job on you all right that's hour one hour two of fantasy sports today right after this sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com